from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 65, beginning in the 17th verse. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and for people for, people for gladness. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. No longer will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of 100 and the one who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. They will build houses and inhabit them and they will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. For as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. And my chosen ones will wear out the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they are the offspring of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm in my holy mountain, says the Lord. Would you pray with me? There are days, Father, where my heart is so full and so anxious that I almost have to slow myself down. And certainly this is one of them, the great day of the year, the great day after we have gone through the darkness of Holy Week to come into your house and to celebrate what you have done for all the world and for each one of us through your Son, Jesus, the name above all names. We praise you today for what you have accomplished and what you will do. May this day, as we open your word, be a blessing to your heart and to your people. May the empty tomb be a message to each one of us today to live a life of fullness and abundance made possible through Jesus, our Lord. Amen. It may seem strange that I would choose the book of Isaiah out of the Old Testament to preach on Easter Sunday, but I truly believe there is something wonderful and rich for us to see here today. You see, most Bible scholars would break the book of Isaiah down into three parts. The first is God speaking through Isaiah to his people to repent, to turn their lives around, to turn back to him. The second section describes the, the captivity as the as the Jews, they refused to live and were, were carried off into captivity. The third and the final section, written hundreds of years before the manger or the cross or the empty tomb, describes a time when God will make all things new, where there will be a new Jerusalem and a new relationship and a new reality. You see, reading the book of Isaiah for us is kind of like reading through triple bifocals. The first lens is for those 700 years before the days of Jesus. The second lens, kind of for us, the, the, the people on this side of the cross and this side of the empty tomb. 
the final lens in a, in a far and distant future, describes the time when Jesus Christ will return. He will establish His kingdom, and He will make all things new. And yes, reading about the empty tomb and the resurrection of the Gospels is wondrous, but reading about the empty tomb in Isaiah gives us a perspective on what Jesus accomplished at the cross and what a difference it can make in our lives right now and what hope we have in the future. So as we are sitting here this morning, so thankful that so many of you have come today, ask yourself this question. What difference does the empty tomb make in my life? What difference does the empty tomb make? As I drove past uh, from the sunrise service, I drove by the hospital this morning, and I looked up as I drove by, and, and I wondered to myself, what difference does the empty tomb make to those that are in hospital today? What difference to the woman that cannot seem to let go and overcome her past? What difference to a, a husband or a wife who, who feel lonely and isolated even within their marriage? To the man who received a difficult diagnosis? To our friends who struggle in their workplace? To the ones who cannot seem to hear the voice of God? To all of us who struggle and desire a sense of peace? to so many of us who feel as if our life is occasionally spinning out of control. What difference does the empty tomb make today? And I want to tell you this morning with a heart so very full, what difference? All the difference. Easter means everything. Isaiah 65, 17 says this, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. Can you imagine such a day? When Jesus returns, all believers, all of the hurts will be erased, never to be thought of again. But here is the wonder of the cross, the resurrection in the empty tomb. We don't have to wait for the new Jerusalem because of that first resurrection morning. Because the kingdom of God will be, but the kingdom of God is already at hand. You see, here's how it looks in my life. I'll be kind of cruising through the day, not, you know, everything going fine, and then for some reason, unexpectedly, I will remember some mistake, some past sin, some failure from years ago. And when that happens to me, that thought so often repulses me, it literally will make me cringe. And then I'll look up and see if anyone else noticed. And I hate those moments, and I hate those memories. But in actuality, they really aren't mine anymore. Because of the first Easter, what the Scriptures say and what I believe is I am a new creation in Christ. Psalm 103 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. Through Christ, God has removed my sins already. And listen, if he has forgotten and forgiven, who are we to hold on to our past sins? Sandy and I were at a marriage conference several years ago, and, and I didn't know anybody there. We just kind of went as a couple just to enjoy the week, you know. And, and we went, and uh, someone found out I was a pastor, and I was sitting across from this, this woman, and, 
And she said, she said, Pastor, I'm, I'm really struggling with something. I said, I said what, what is it? What it? What's bothering you? She said, you know, there's some things in my life that happened years ago, and I just can't let go of them. I just, I just can't get rid of those memories. I said, Sister, did you repent of your sins? Yes, I did. Do you believe that you were forgiven? Yes, I do. But I just can't, I just can't get over it. I just can't forget them. I just can't get past them. And for some reason, I'm not sure it was exactly the right thing to say, but I said to her, would you call God a liar? Oh, I would never do such a thing. Was the cross insufficient to cover all of your sins? Of course not, but I just can't. Wait, don't you understand that God never intended for you to live in guilt? Don't you understand that it was just a reminder to call you to repentance immediately and then to be free? And who in the world would think that Christ would die? He would empty himself of the glory of heaven, go through the passion, so that we might continue to live in the past? May it never be. Rather, we are new creations in Christ. Hey, listen. I don't want you just to sit here this morning. The kids didn't. took a little while to work them up there a little bit, didn't it? I want you to start right off the bat. Turn to your neighbor and say, what a difference Easter makes. Go ahead. Turn to your neighbor right now. Oh, you sound so good. Life application? Don't you dare live in guilt. Because we are new creations in Christ. Amen? Isaiah 65, 19 says this, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people, and there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. No longer will there be an infant who lives but a few days. Did you know in the, some areas in Guatemala, even to this day, they don't name their children until the third birthday because the infant mortality rate is so very high. It's a way for the parents to protect their hearts, a shield of love against potential devastation. And as I read that this week, I thought to myself, you know, don't we all do that a little bit? Don't we all struggle with who we can trust, who, are, who we can share our greatest hopes and our deepest hurts with? But in the New Jerusalem, it says there'll be no separation, that every relationship that we have can be rich and wonderful, and full. How, how wonderful! We won't have to shield our heart or protect ourselves. And we don't have to wait because our relationships, brothers and sisters, should be, could be, just as wonderful and rich right now. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, If any one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Sometimes when I'm doing premarital counseling, one of the things I spend quite a bit of time talking about is the idea of being one flesh. A husband and wife should be one flesh. Nothing should come between them. So, in other words, I can't be jealous of my spouse because we are the same person. We are one flesh. I, should, I can't cheat on my spouse because we are one flesh. I can't 
lie to myself because she is part of who I am. And this side of heaven, the most rich and wonderful relationship we can have is in that husband and wife, one flesh relationship. But shouldn't it, couldn't it be the same within the body of Christ? Because we are one, says the scriptures, in Christ. His body is not in the tomb. We are the body. We are deeply connected with the intention of rich and whole relationships. What a difference Easter makes. Life application, love one another. Be gentle with one another. Leave your judgment at the door. Leave your anger and bitterness at home. Or better yet, discard it completely. Be gentle with one another. Love Him above all. And out of that abundant love, love one another. For the kingdom of God is now. Isaiah continues, No longer will there be an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his days. For youth will die at the age of 100, and one who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. In the new Jerusalem, there will no longer be any death. Revelation 21 describes it this way, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's one of my very favorite scriptures, that Jesus Christ himself will wipe away the last tear that you'll ever cry. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away, and he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. The empty tomb proclaims that Jesus Christ has overcome death, and in the last days it will no longer exist. But the empty tomb proclaims to us today, right now, we have no reason to be afraid of death ever again. Paul says it this way, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. In other words, listen here now. If I go home or if I get to stay and serve and work with you for the rest of decades, man, I'm thrilled it's good. And if I go home to take my good Sabbath nap this afternoon and wake up in the arms of Jesus, that's better. In other words, through Jesus Christ, through the empty tomb that is the punctuation Mark, to everything, saying that it is all true, we win in Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, we win. Oh, you thought you were off the hook, didn't you? The empty tomb proclaims it. Life application? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Life application is this, live without fear. Live without fear. Fear is a mind killer. Fear is a body killer. Fear is a spirit killer. Fear of failure. Fear of not being accepted. Fear of not being enough. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear robs us of the abundant life that Christ intended for and died for us to have. For a lot of years in my life, I was motivated by fear. I was in the Army. When I started out in the Army, man, I was a second lieutenant. And the truth was, you know, I graduated at the top of my class. I felt like any day, they, you know, I got commissioned, any day I was going to be a general officer. Any day. 
They didn't see it that way. Second lieutenant, man, I struggled. I struggled as a second lieutenant. First efficiency report, kind of weak. And you know what that did? That planted a, a seed of fear in me that lasted so many years. I didn't even realize it until the day I kind of reached a certain rank and I realized it was 17 years later. And I realized that most of my life I had been motivated by fear of failure. And I finally got to that point. I looked around and it was like, now what's going to push me? Now what's going to motivate me? You know what motivates me now? Making much of what Jesus Christ has given me. I'm not motivated by fear. I'm not motivated by failure. I won't do it. What do we have to be afraid of? I want to tell you this morning too, you are enough in Jesus Christ. He is alive and we can be fully alive without fear in Him. Amen? The prophet Isaiah says in verse 21, they will build houses and inhabit them. They will also plant vineyards and eat fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. Have you ever said to yourself, you know, I don't know why he got that job. I do. I don't know why he got the credit. I did all the work. I, I don't know. This just isn't fair. I, why am I doing this for minimum wage? I hate my job. Ever said that? Liars, you know you have. Preacher just called me a liar straight from the pulpit. Won't be that way in the New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem says when Jesus returns from church, Isaiah tells us that we will have work that is fulfilling and appreciated and lasting and will bring each one of us great joy. And yet because of the sacrifice of Jesus and the exclamation point that is the empty tomb, we don't have to wait. Because everything that we do now in the kingdom of God has eternal value. Everything we do now as we are led by the Spirit is going to bring fulfillment and joy. Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord whom you serve. Several years ago, Right as I was beginning a seminary, uh, out of a dead sleep, this has only happened a few times in my life, the Spirit woke me up. Get up. It's time to pray. And I went downstairs. We were living in Concord, North Carolina at the time. I went downstairs. I went downstairs and uh, just got on my knees and began to pray there. And the Spirit spoke to me and said, nothing you do outside of my will will have any eternal value. And something about that just pierced me to the point where I remember sitting there on the floor crying, nothing you will ever do outside of my will will have any eternal value. And the Spirit let me sit there and cry, broken, and then said, but everything that you do in my will will have eternal value. Everything. 
The Word of God says that what it... Have you heard that expression, you can't take it with you? That's just not true. That's just not true. Everything you do for Him, you can take with you. Everything. There'll come a day when, you know, it'll be like... Mike, it'll be like being in the army on day one. You know, they'll just start handing you stuff as you go by. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know what? Pastor Cal, you know that sermon you preached on? Oh, that was a good one on Easter morning. Here's a crown for you. Carry on. Move on down to the next one. Oh, here's another crown. Oh, that Easter morning you made Jesus laugh. You, you mean by that joke I told? No, just your preaching. Just. And, man, I want my arms just full of crowns of glory. Because you know what the Scriptures say? They'll come at the end of that line. There'll be King Jesus on the throne. And I'll get to kneel down and take all those crowns and lay them at his feet. And you know what? The world doesn't get that. The world doesn't get that. I have many brothers and sisters, friends, who choose to go to all kinds of things on Sunday morning, not come to church and honor God. They want to go to NASCAR races. Oh, let's go fast, turn left, and do that about 300 times. Let's go to a Panthers game, spend $140 on a ticket, get to sit next to a real, real, real loudmouthed uh, drunk. That you cannot take with you. Life application, invest your life well. Invest your life in what is eternal. Invest your life in loving God and loving others and sharing the gospel and deepening the faith of the people around you. You can take it with you. Invest your life well. Isaiah 65, 24 says this. It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're speaking, I will hear. Have you ever felt as if you were playing hide and seek with God? Sometimes you feel so close and on the other hand, just can't seem to find him sometimes. But in the new Jerusalem, there won't be any more of that. I saw no temple in it, says Revelation 21, for the, the glory of the Lord, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And, and the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and it is the Lamb. Then the lamp is the Lamb. The walls in the New Jerusalem are made of gold. They are so pure that they're transparent. And, and because of that, we'll need no light, no sun, no moon, because Jesus Christ, will be our light. And because of the risen Lord and the gift of the Spirit, we can constantly be in His presence even now. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? God is not absent or distant. He lives within your heart and He's promised to never leave you. Life application, when there's a distance or an absence, it's usually we who are hiding. Finally, Isaiah 65, 25, the wolf and the lamb will graze together, the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Isaiah communicates to us that through the Messiah, there will be an entirely new cosmos, an entirely new order, 
And if there's one word that could summarize the work of Jesus at the cross and the affirmation of the empty tomb, it's this. Peace. It will be completely, entirely, perfectly fulfilled when Jesus returns. But we can experience a part of that same peace even now. Peace with God. Peace with others. Peace with self. Because of the cross and resurrection morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, some would say that living that way now, living the way that I've described is idealistic or even impossible. But rather, I say to you that the empty tomb echoes over 2,000 years the voice of the risen Savior that he has defeated sin and Satan and fear. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God will be. Rejoice. For he makes all things new. Turn to your neighbor one last time. What a difference Easter makes. Go ahead. My friends, happy Easter. He makes all things new. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we thank you. Oh Lord, our words are so small. We thank you for what you have done through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that the tomb is empty and that your son Jesus is alive. We thank you, Father, that he sits at your right hand interceding for us even now. We thank you that just as surely as he arose from the grave, so will all those who believe in him. We thank you, Father, that the kingdom of heaven is now and that we can begin to have a taste of what we shall share in all eternity. We thank you for Easter. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe there's some here today that have struggled, struggled with letting go of the past, struggled with reaching forward, struggled with not living in guilt. I remember a a musician years ago, fine musician, but I heard him talking one time. He said, you know, every once in a while, the devil reminds me of my past. I don't pay him much mind. I just remind him of his future. Are you living as if the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Or are you holding on as if you were in an empty tomb? I want to tell you, the door is wide open for all who would come. Whatever the Spirit has spoken to you today, won't you say yes? On this beautiful Easter, what a wonderful day to rededicate your life, to come to the altar, to kneel down, to leave a past sin behind, to join the church, whatever it is, won't you say yes? Who will be the first to come?
Ronnie, won't you lead us?